Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Mockingjay Part 2. Mockingjay was written by Suzanne Collins and was published in 2010. And the film adaptation came out in 2015 and was directed by Francis Lawrence. And this is the finale, Ian. We're doing it. The true ending, part two of two parts. Of two parts of of the three-part book series. Yes. (laughs) Although, like we said before, we may do an episode on a ballad of... Oh, the prequel. The prequel, yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that they are making a movie out of. Although, I haven't heard... I think that's coming out... I know year. I haven't heard anything. About I haven't it either. Lately. I remember when set images came out, but like no one's really talking about it. So I'll be curious what the reception is to it. For sure. Yeah. Uh, another note is um, I have like this horrible head cold right now. So if <laughs> yeah. I sound a little congested, I'm so sorry. But you know what? The show must go on. It must. <laughs> and if that means Adina sounding slightly more congested, I think you sound fine. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, y- you know, uh, let's get into it. Yes. We left off at a very crucial moment in the last part. This was the PETA transformation that no one asked for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. His, his glow down. Yeah. he's thin he's angry he's brainwashed and he tried to strangle Katniss to death yeah I love how the movie opens with just her collar coming off and how bruised she is oh god this this movie the last one I kind of forget did Catching Fire begin with just her by the lake or something hunting? I think so. Because all of these movies by Francis Lawrence kind of start with like a really quiet, almost mundane scene. Yeah. With like no music or anything. And then the title comes in very dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. They all kind of have a similar opening, which I find interesting. Yeah. And we're finding out around this time in the book, too, like information about what has happened to Peta. And we talked about it a little bit in the last episode, you know, him being hijacked with mm-hmm. Tracker Jacker Venom um, and basically being conditioned to think that Katniss is a threat and to try to kill her. Yeah, essentially, he doesn't know what's real and what isn't real. Yeah. And District 13 is working on trying to like deprogram him essentially. Yeah. We get uh their first attempt at this early on when they have someone talk to him. Mm-hmm. In the book, they very intentionally find someone from his past that has no ties to Katniss. Yes. Uh, a young girl from District 12 named Deli. Yes. Who's just a sweet, nice I person. I love how they describe Deli as like, everyone likes Deli. <laughs> and Deli yeah. likes everyone. She's just the nicest person you could ever get. <laughs> yes. And in the film, I like that they chose Prim. Yeah. Who also, once again, like everyone loves Prim, even though she has a connect- connection to Katniss. Yeah, I think this makes sense to looping Prim into more of the movie. I, yeah, I agree. So we can see more of her. Um, but in both versions, we see... Peta having this conversation with someone who isn't Katniss, and it's supposed to try to be this innocent conversation to tell him about what's going on, where he is, like what what's happening, and you know we see him talking about what happened to District Twelve. Yeah, this is where he kind of realizes that his family's dead. Yeah, and eventually the conversation goes towards Katniss, and he yeah. begins to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he begins to say she's a mutt created by the Capitol mm-hmm. and she's not human. And He's like, you have to kill her. <laughs> I have to say, Josh Hutcherson yes. really does great in this scene. I know. We've seen him do a lot of different things, I think, in this series. Like him playing 
sweet him playing like kind of coy with the capital yeah. on Caesar's show. Mm-hmm. But to see him be crazy, it's great. Oh my God, like spits flying out of his, like he really does a great job. Like he's always been good in the series, yeah. but he hasn't had to give as much emotional range as say like uh, Katniss, Katniss does. Yeah. But in this scene, he really delivers. For sure. But it's devastating, of course. And Katniss is just like, I can't, I can't watch this happen. Literally everything that she's loved about PETA, she thinks has been taken away from him. And that he's never coming back and that she's lost him for good. Yeah. She's like, I need a good vacation. <laughs> like maybe to a battlefront. You yeah. Know? Get my mind up. Go to something lighter. You know, get my mind off this a little vacay. Yeah. Uh, so she does go to Coin and Plutarch and is like, you need to send me into battle. I can't be here. I can't watch PETA be, be like this. Um, and... They give her kind of the rundown about the situation, and we're sort of caught up with what's going on with the rebellion. All the districts have rebelled against the Capitol and have joined the resistance, except District 2, which we talked about in our last episode as District 2 being the place where actually a lot of the peacekeepers come from. Yeah, which I find very interesting. Yeah, and they're also the most closely tied to the Capitol, and kind of benefited the most Mm -hmm. from the Capitol and all of the, a lot of the victors from different years and all the careers came from two, right? Yeah, and they kind of get special treatment, it Mm -hmm. seems. District two also kind of became a new, I don't want to say it, like fort or facility. Military facility. Yeah, especially after District 13 Mm kind of fell. It's not as like, tight as, say, District 13, but they kind of created a new fortress in District 2 that District 13 has titled The Nut, because it's a tough nut to crack, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) And so they're currently kind of at a uh, a standstill, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like a standoff with The Nut and... Because they they want the resources that are inside, the weapons and Mm -hmm. the things like that, but also there's still a lot of peacekeepers and capital loyalists who are there and they're kind of in this tense situation for sure and once two falls then they can focus on the capital but until two falls they cannot take the capital so they're sort of at a standstill here so they're like okay we'll send katniss there she'll do her whole mocking jay thing maybe she can sway some of the loyalists to the cause of the rebellion yeah um so katniss is going gail is going um we have some scenes with them here. And one scene I want to talk about in particular, which I feel like really didn't get enough attention in the movie, is when we see Katniss and Gail and Beatty yeah. talking about their trap designs. Yes, their traps. Their traps. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, the idea of Gail keeps using his like knowledge of the outdoors and hunting animals. Like that's his thing, right? He's like, I know this, like these tactics, like nobody else does. And the idea that they have is to set off one bomb that would injure people. And then when more people come to save them and rescue them, they would set off a larger bomb that would kill more people. Yeah. And there's other trap designs that he talks about uh, more in the book. Like, kind of luring someone into a trap by scaring them towards like a bomb or something like that. So a lot of, like you were saying, the hunter psychology, right? Mm -hmm. How you would trap an animal. And Katniss is very upset by this. Yeah. I mean, once again, this is that push and pull between her and Gail about like what what's moral or what's right, what's worth it in war. You know what I mean? Like how far do you go? 
before you start just, you know, appearing to be the capital itself. Yeah. And Gail kind of throws it back at her and is like, we're just doing what the capital did when they hijacked PETA. Yeah. Like kind of saying, don't you want revenge for what they did to him? Yes. Shouldn't we use every available resource and every plan to try to get back at them for what they've done. And this is interesting because I feel like this flows very directly into Gail and Katniss arguing over the nut as well. Yes. Yeah. Because Gail has a whole plan of like setting off avalanches that will basically entomb everyone inside. Yeah. He kind of just wants to kill everyone or at least he's fine with that option. Katniss says that they deserve a chance to, like, surrender, that they shouldn't just, like... uh, Blow everyone up. Yeah, and she says, especially, she was like, both of our fathers died in, like, a mine collapse. Yeah. And, I mean, you're creating that situation for, like, hundreds or thousands of people inside this facility. Yeah. And you just kind of see how cold Gale has gotten towards, like, anyone associated with the Capitol and his willingness to commit attacks like these yeah and like i said these dynamics between them i find very interesting and i Mm -hmm. like them however the romance between them is really where their dynamic falls apart for sure we just have this very uncomfortable scene in both the book and the movie it's a a bit of a different setting but it's the same result where katniss just kisses gail because she wants to feel something. Well, Gail is, says something about PETA. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, I thought something really selfish when I saw PETA. And she's like, <laughs> what? That he, you're all I'm you're all, I'm, I'm all yours now. And he said, no, that if PETA doesn't get better, I'll never get you or something. And I'm like, <laughs> shut get, the fuck up. Get your fucking priorities <laughs> straight. God damn it. Like, this why is, would you why would you say that to her? Yeah. Like, why would you just do that? You're. You're ruining everything. He's just—he's so pouty in this book. I know. And their 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 romantic tension was never captivating to me. No. And especially given the circumstances, it just feels so. It like, feels very <sighs> like, oh, poor me, because uh, you'll never focus on me when Peta is like suffering forever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I know. You should just be there for her. And if you're, like, very supportive, maybe she'll fall in love with you instead. Like, you're yeah. an idiot. <laughs> you're not even playing this No, right. you're not playing the game right. Well, and the, the love triangle dynamic worked so well in previous books because she had Gail, someone who was really close to her throughout yeah, her life. Yeah, And she's still young and kind of doesn't know how to feel about him maybe yet. And then she's But thro- they have history, But right? they have history. But then she's thrown into the Hunger Games and gets to know PETA, this guy that, like, she thinks she's going to have to kill. Mm-hmm. And then she's kind of forced to, like, be romantic with him. Yeah. And maybe they would have naturally been drawn to each other, but then they have to force it and it's kind of awkward. And then what do they do when they get back? How do they react with Gail? Like, it was dramatic, but... It felt felt natural. Yes, it felt natural within the context of the story. Now we're out of that Hunger Games setup. Yeah. And I mean, obviously things are still complicated and happening, but it just feels so much more angsty. I know. And frustrating now. Yeah. And it seems like these that really make me tired of the love triangle thing. I'm like, they're literally flying to war. And Gail is like, oh, you'll never pay attention to me (laughs) while Pete is still (laughs) sick. Like, come on. God, he's just so unsympathetic. And then she kisses him. And then he says, you're not even here. It's like kissing a drunk person. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like fuck you. You shouldn't kiss drunk people. <laughs> no. Stop. Do it. What, what are you saying? Yeah. I, I don't love this. And like, I do think it's really interesting when 
Katniss and Gail are talking about these different dynamics, and I find their perspective difference yeah. and their ideological difference to be much more interesting than their romantic relationship at this point. Absolutely. I wish that we had actually paid more attention to these ideological differences. And I felt like in the movie, that scene with the traps and Beatty was just sort of like thrown in and it really didn't draw your attention at all. And I felt like we needed to for the camera to literally like rest there for a little bit. Yes. Or maybe show like on that diagram, like yes. some kind of visualization of it. Of what the traps, what this secondary bomb thing would be. Yeah, because at the the scene plays it off that just like Gail has a trap that feels cruel. You know, and she challenges him on that, like, oh, yeah. we're just like the capital, blah, blah. They kind of have a discussion like that. But really the details of that trap are important later For on. For later, yeah. yeah. Which, it doesn't draw your attention to the details of the trap, only the fact that it seems cruel. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's kind of a failing here of drawing your attention to that. For sure. Although we do get to see um, kind of this group of rebel leaders. We are reunited with Paler, who is um, the rebel leader of Dis- District 8, who we saw in the last movie. And uh, Gwendolyn Christie is there. I know. I, once again, <laughs> Jesus, like the the actors that are coming out of the woodwork in this last movie that I, I forgot know. about. Uh, but I mean, Gwendolyn Christie is just so great and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they agree to implement most of Gail's strategy where they're going to bomb and cause these avalanches, but they're going to leave one railway open so that people can get out. Yes. And they want Katniss to do a uh, a kind of propo yeah. outside of District 2 or outside the nut to try to get people to come out safely and surrender, and surrender without, like, fighting. And, you know, so she is kind of on camera giving this this talk, giving this plea for them. And then a train of survivors comes out of the nut mm-hmm. and kind of all hell breaks loose. Yeah. It seems like it's just going to turn into more war. Yeah. Where the rebels and then the survivors are going to face off and fight. And Katniss viscerally reacts to this and puts herself right in the middle and is like, please stop. Um, and they're filming, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, but Katniss is trying to put herself between these two fighting factions and to try to end the violence. Of course, she's put at gunpoint yes. by a desperate survivor of the nut. And we have this really great scene, and I love Katniss's personality and just her truth about the Capitol coming through where she's saying, like, I'm tired. Like, we're all slaves to yes. Snow. We're all slaves to the Capitol. This scene plays out, I think, the dialogue almost verbatim from the book. Yeah. However, I think the film just delivers the the message. And, like, Jennifer Lawrence's performance in this moment is so great. Yeah. And the dialogue is great where she he says something about, like, I'm tired of killing Snow's slaves. Yeah. And she says, she she's like, I'm a slave. Like, I have been doing everything that he wants me to do. Yeah. And kind of just arguing that even the fighting is almost to his plan, right? Yes. And the only thing they can do to really break free from him is to cooperate. Yes. And it's a really, I I just, like I said, I love Jennifer Lawrence's delivery. It's a really great scene. Yes. And then she gets shot. (laughs) (laughs) Not by that guy. No. A different person shoots her. (laughs) Um, Ian, here she is waking up in the hospital and... Listen, I got to say, I got a little tired of watching Katniss wake up in the hospital. I mean, 
how I would like mental math, right? It's three times in this movie. In this film alone. Yeah. I mean, that's a well, lot. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I guess if you technically her after Peta's attack was like the last film. Yeah. But still like waking up for after Peta's attack. But she's in the hospital when we first see her when this movie yes. starts. Yeah. So she's in the hospital. She's still in the hospital. Ian. She wakes up in the hospital here. <laughs> yeah. She wakes up in the hospital at, at the, the end. end. Yeah. Uh, she wakes up on the plane at the end of Catching Fire, which is essentially she's like hooked up to an IV. It's like she's a hospital. a hospital. Like, yeah, she just keeps <laughs> waking up in the fucking hospital. And I'm sick of it. I mean, this sounds silly to like nitpick, but I do feel like I at one point I was like, why is she always in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that they want the physical trauma she's experiencing to feel real. But then again, just is everything going to end with her being shot or And I think attacked? a lot of this goes back to the way Suzanne Collins actually ends her chapters. Yeah. I think we talked about this um, in one of the previous episodes. I don't remember which, but she really ends each chapter on a cliffhanger, whether that's an action cliffhanger or whether that's a plot or a dialogue cliffhanger. Yeah. Right? But so many times in this book that – Suzanne Collins will end on like, and then I watched myself get shot on live TV or something. <laughs> and then the explosion happened. Yeah. And then she just, the next chapter starts and we pick up with her waking up somewhere. You yeah. Know? And I think maybe she just relied on this a little too much. I I totally agree. I mean, the other books felt like it really utilized that. First person perspective. Really well with like the way the cliffhanger chapters ended and where they picked up. And a lot of times it would just be her learning a new piece of information. Yeah. Something coming to light, like a character reveal, something like that. Yeah. But this one felt a lot more, maybe it was just at this point you kind of start to get tired of it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it it was a bit exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. Katniss got shot, but she didn't actually, like the her suit that Cinna designed for her is bulletproof. So she just had like intense bruising that bruise in the film yeah i bet that's actually what it looks like if you get bruised from a gunshot really great makeup effects for bruising (laughs) in this movie for sure in the book like her spleen was ruptured oh god that's right so she had to have surgery it was this whole thing um but we do get a great character coming in in this scene yes we saw joanna at the end of the last film and you know she was rescued from the capital with Peta. but this is our first real scene with her yeah she is still in the hospital she's still recovering from her torture, torture <laughs> and everything that happened to her but she's still got her amazing dark sense of humor yeah i love her just taking katniss's morphine and putting it into her own arm immediately yeah <laughs> Uh, Adina uh, Morfling. Morfling. Not morphine. Of course. <laughs> I, I can never get past movies that, and books that do things like this. I'm like, just call it what it is. Yeah, it, it, like movies that invent new drugs. <laughs> like in the Batman movie that we just watched where it's like everyone's doing this eye drop drug. And I'm like, do just oh, yeah. do real drugs. Like, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> uh, but so, Joanna, I, I love her conversation with Katniss where she's kind of just ripping into her yeah and is like oh i'm surprised like you didn't need a new lung after this like you could have mine i have two lungs oh, do you i don't need, need one? two <laughs> is like could you stop please i love this because joanna is clearly angry at like the special treatment that katniss gets and like her being the mocking jay and this important symbol and joanna sees through the bullshit right yes but like katniss does too so katniss is also like 
Yeah, I totally get it. Like, it, it's kind of a really good dynamic because <laughs> yeah. Katniss isn't like, how dare you? Katniss yeah. is just like, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate the outfit. I hate the propose. Like, yeah. trust me. I get it. Mm-hmm. Katniss, at this point, decides, okay, maybe avoiding PETA isn't the right answer if it means getting shot. Uh, I should go talk to him. Yeah, Hamish wants her to try to talk to PETA. They're like, he's making really great progress He's not as violent anymore. He's still confused, but maybe talking to you can help clear things up. Yeah. So she goes and into his room, you know, he's strapped down and they begin their conversation and he's not trying to lunge for her. He's not frothing at the mouth. Yeah. But he's still skeptical of her. This is a really sad scene in the film because he's just so different than what we know he normally is. And, like, he just, he still just distrusts Katniss so much. And Katniss's defenses are up because she's afraid, right? And she's also really vulnerable because she loves PETA, even though she has not admitted that to herself or to anybody else. (laughs) Yeah. And to see him like this, hating her, is really hard for her, right? And so she's vulnerable. And so to defend herself, she becomes super defensive. So we just have two people that are really, I think, defensive and angry confronting each other. And we have Peta tragically saying that he remembers the bread scene when he throws her the bread. Yeah. And he's like, I should have just given it to the pig. That's I, I this is only in the film, too. Right. I don't think yeah. he says that in the book. Yeah. But I love it. The idea that, you know, this is the the whole bread thing, right? Is this really... <laughs> the boy with bread. The boy with bread. <laughs> I don't say it's like romanticized, but it's brought up so much as it's like deep kind of connection between them. And for him to turn that on her and say like, I wish I'd never done that. Yeah. Really hurts, but I love that. Yeah. We have some scenes in the book too where they're interacting like kind of in the mess hall and he's also kind of suspicious and defensive with her. So, like, there's still hostility there. And, like, what I don't like about this, though, is I feel like the book has Katniss being really cold towards him. Yeah. And I don't think it explains it enough. I I agree. Like, I can get behind it. Like, all I need is a little bit of Katniss being like, I always relied on him for being warm and now that he's not like I don't know how you know what I mean I just needed something yeah I I think maybe that's kind of a failing almost not a failing but a difficulty with this like very limited first person perspective because I would probably be tough to write like this introspective uh I'm being mean to him because of this thing it probably would have come across as like cheesy but what about another character pointing that out that's true that probably would work better if someone said it to her we do have Hamish later on in the story kind of saying why are you attacking Peta? like you and i agreed that we needed to protect him that deal still stands yeah so he kind of reminds her of that later and that kind of changes her perspective a little bit like later on in the story but i think we needed more we needed someone to be like Why are you acting this way? Yeah, maybe, you know, she thought she lost him forever and maybe she doesn't want to think about the fact he could come back. Maybe she doesn't want to, like, deal with that. Yeah. She doesn't want to hope for that. So maybe she's being defensive. She doesn't want to even consider that. There's a lot of reasons why she could be feeling this way. But I agree. She's so kind of mean to him for so long. She's so cold and it's really hard to see that. Yeah. Especially when we know how much... PETA was there for her 
when yes. she was at her darkest. Doesn't is, doesn't Hamish say that to her? Yeah, that like you know what Peta would what how he'd behave to you if this happened to you. Yeah, like he points that out, and she knows it's true. Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough to read. It is. So at this point, Katniss has decided she's resolved that she is going to the Capitol one way or another in both book and film. Yeah, she like District 2 has fallen. Now the resistance is going to focus on taking the Capitol. And it goes down a little bit differently in the book and the movie. In the book, Katniss actually approaches Coin and is like, I want to go to the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And Coin eventually agrees that if she passes the training that's required for a soldier to enter the field, then she can go. So in the next few weeks, Katniss actually starts training with other soldiers. And I actually really like this in the book because Joanna joins her. Yes. Yeah, I like them training together and working through this and even PETA begins to train with them and yeah. they're filming it for propose or like we just want to show the capital that he's like on our side and he's healthy yeah. and that kind of thing but it's still unsettling mm -hmm. the other thing I like about this is after all their training they have to do a kind of a, 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 a test yeah. essentially where they're in a simulation of a capital attack and it's different for each one of them depending on like their weakness yeah but this reminded me a lot of the Hunger Games as well. Yes. Like their um, demonstrations. Showing off their skills. Yes. Yeah. And so I really liked that in the book because it's one, you know, the, this book keeps drawing comparisons to uh, like, oh, this is the 76th Hunger Games, right? Yes. This is just more Hunger Games. Yes. I know there's no Hunger Games in this book. But, but it's still the Hunger Games. But it's still Hunger Games, <laughs> right? Uh, and I thought this was one of the more subtle kind of connections to that that I liked. For sure. Yeah, uh, Katniss does pass her training, but Joanna does not. Because of her PTSD, which is really sad. I know. This is an interesting choice on the author's part to not have jo Joanna go with the group. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure why, but um, Katniss is cleared to go to the Capitol. However, she is not cleared to do this in the movie. No, but she has decided, I'm going to sneak off and just go get to the Capitol on my own. Yeah. And do this mission one way or another. And she has a conversation in the film with Joanna yeah. about doing this. And Joanna kind of says, like, I believe that you can kill Snow if you want to, mm -hmm. as long as you're willing to give your life to do it. Yeah. Kind of setting up the stakes that this is like a suicide mission. Mm -hmm. And I also like this in the film because, once again, you know, we broke the book up into two films. So you need more of a, I think, a decision on Katniss's part and her being more proactive to getting to the Capitol. Yes. To kind of give her more agency and kind of set up more of an act structure for the film. Yeah, and really kind of like focus the story and be like, this is what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Katniss is planning to sneak on board a ship to make her way to the Capitol and join the front lines. But first, we have a wedding. We have a nice little wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sweet. Finnick and Annie are getting married. I love their relationship and Finnick's character. Yeah. And, oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny in the, uh, in the book, Plutarch really wants a big wedding that they can film for propos and kind yeah. of like get people like interested both in like the rebel like drama uh -huh. and you know kind of creating content it's essentially very, very capital-esque right? yeah and coin does not want to do anything so it's so funny <laughs> them arguing and like compromising on how lavish the wedding can be what they can and can't do and yeah kind of settles in the middle right mm -hmm. but it is a very sweet moment and Katniss talks about how Everyone's able to come together to celebrate this 
union of the two of them and be happy for them. But also there's like music and dancing and fellowship. And there's a really cool and sweet moment in the book, or or I'm sorry, in the movie where Katniss is dancing with Prim, too. Yeah, I mean, it's mentioned in the book, but, like, the film focuses on it more. And just this being a moment between them. And this is... A goodbye. A goodbye, because Katniss knows she's going to sneak on uh, a ship to go to the Capitol without telling her. And this is kind of their last moment together. So it's kind of this sweet moment of her just hugging Prim and them being together. The sad music coming in. Yeah. I'm like, oh God, and it's spinning. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. <laughs> the thing though about Katniss sneaking to the Capitol is, first of all, it seemed very easy. She just kind of jogs. She like hides behind some equipment on a ship. Very, in a very half-assed ma- manner, if you ask me. She's hardly hiding. I know. And she manages to get on board. And then when she gets to the Capitol, she just kind of like walks off and I can't tell. I'm like, what was her plan here? Was did, did she not want anyone to notice her? Yeah. Did she not care if people noticed her? Because as soon as she walks off, people are like looking at her. They're like, yeah. that's, that's fucking Katniss. Yeah. And it looks like she's like, oh, God, like, don't. Trying don't to hide. At, yeah, yeah. And then everyone like surrounds her and gives her the symbol. And she's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is interesting because we do get a scene in the movie of Coin and Plutarch reacting to this and Coin being like, God damn it, I told her not to go <laughs> to the Capitol and here she is defying orders and everybody's excited about her being there and Plutarch's like, well, we can't really bring her back yeah. now and Coin's like, pretend that this was our plan the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You get that behind the scenes look once again at what's going on with Coin and Plutarch and... Yeah. But what, like I said, I didn't know what Katniss's real plan... Did she know that Coin would respond that way? Unclear, Or did she just want to be incognito the whole time? I think because this is different from the book, the movie didn't quite flesh it out. No. They were like, eh, she just hides behind some uh, equipment (laughs) and then walks right off. I, I, it's like very uh, convenient. (laughs) Yeah. In the film, we also get some scenes, once again, with Snow. Yeah. Kind of analyzing the the war, what's going on, their strategies. Mm-hmm. You know, a scene where when, when Katniss gets shot, it's kind of speculated she might be dead. Yeah. But Snow knows that she isn't because they were like, they'd be making her a martyr. They would be the first people to tell us that she's dead. Yeah. So I know she's not dead. And, uh, you know, him explaining how they're going to pull everyone back to the Capitol. They're going to. Uh, kind of evacuate the outer ring area of the Capitol, bring everyone inwards to protect it. Yeah, and they're just going to put a bunch of pods or booby traps, whatever you want to call them, in this outer area of the Capitol City so that the invading army will be destroyed. And this is, again, we're meant to associate this with the Hunger Games, right? The armies are going to be coming in. It's going to be filled with all these crazy traps like we've seen in the Hunger Games, and it's going to be a bloodbath. Yes. I don't like them calling them pods, I don't either, Ian. I don't know why, because I think it brings to mind a physical, like, object, like a capsule. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, but they're just traps. They're just general traps. basically. Yeah. But they have different things in them instead of just explosions. Like, I kept, like, when I, I pictured, like, 
kind of a big capsule, but like maybe gunfire comes out, maybe it explodes, maybe monsters come out, but that's not it. It's just like a booby trap in the floor. It's yeah. just things hidden in the walls. It's, I don't know why. I just, <laughs> I just don't like that term she picked. Pod. Pod. Yeah. It feels misleading or it something. Is, it is weird. I don't like it either. <laughs> but Katniss is now going into the front lines. Coin is behind this. And, but she's not going in with like the frontline people, right? They want her behind the front lines. They want her behind the action and they have given her a team called the Star Squad. So it's her camera crew, which, you know, the people we already know, which is um, Gail and Boggs, who's leading it. And then her camera crew, Cressida, Castor and Pollux. And then we also get some military people that were introduced to at this time. Jackson, Mitchell, League One and League Two and Masala or something. I don't know. There's a lot of names, Ian. Yeah, I know. There's so many people. And they all die. (laughs) I know. I I felt really mixed about this. I agree. I think I think they could have cut the number of new people in half and just had less people die because you just can't. You can't keep track. No, you can't keep track. You can't feel attached to any of them. They're just cannon fodder. And then Finnick joins them. And then Finnick, yeah. He had a very short honeymoon. I don't know. They could have thrown Joanna in instead of, like, half of the people. And then he would have been, because you know Joanna, you would have been more emotionally invested, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, all the extra soldiers they add just feels kind of meh. So this isn't what Katniss wants, though. She doesn't want to be safe behind all the rebel forces in the back, just filming scenes of her shooting, like, Innocent targets, you know what I mean? Like, nothing really on the front lines. So she's like, I still want to kill Snow, but the only way for me to able to be able to do that is to steal this hollow that has a lot of the locations of the pods in it. Yeah, it's what they use to kind of either navigate pods or set them off intentionally just to kind of get through the capital safely. I mean, they know that there might be pods that they're unaware of, but they have this map that details like where most of them are. Mm -hmm. And so it's really crucial to have that to like get through the city. And Boggs has it because he's the commander of their unit. So Katniss kind of has this plan that she's going to go off on her own. And Gail sort of guesses this plan and is like, listen, If you're going to go off, I'm going with you. Like, whatever you plan to do, just include me in on it. Yeah. I want to take a moment here and talk about uh, set design and production in the film. Because the book describes the Capitol as being this super colorful, lush, vibrant, almost like garish landscape, essentially, with like pinks, like pastel colors, like very, like overly colorful, like more so than pretty much any city probably in the world, right? Yeah. Any realistic city. And in the film, it looks like fucking Chernobyl. I know. <laughs> it's just like concrete apartment complexes that are dusty. Yeah. It just, it, it really looks, we were joking, not joking, but discussing last episode how District 13 feels very like communist. Yeah. But then so does the capital aesthetically in this part. Yeah. I think the interiors when they like go in an apartment or yes. like in Tigress's store later on, those feel more like, oh, this is like a futuristic, like lush society. But like the exteriors, I I I don't know. Like I get that this is a war scene or and a like, war movie. A lot of the fo- rebel forces have already been through here. And they probably don't want it. It probably would be distracting if it was like super colorful and bright and stuff. But like, 
I don't know, just like the really concrete gray. Like, I don't know. The buildings could have been glass or like something yeah. more. Intri- there could have been more, more imaginative. Yeah, there could have been more artwork around, like statues or something. Make us believe that this is the richest area. Yes. Right? Show us that wealth. Now, the intention, I don't know, could have been that, like, this is the outer part of the capital, so maybe it's, like, not as... But we don't see any distinction. No. When we move into the capital. Absolutely. We see the mansion later, but, like, that's the mansion, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, there's no contrast to when they get deeper into the capital, so I don't know. I felt like, I think they could have done something more interesting. Like, I think it would have been really almost crude and visceral in like a good way if like you had these candy colored streets and walls but like splattered with blood and like monsters and like that would have been weird and I think it could have been unique and cool yeah instead of just this gray war zone I do wish they would have done more with it like I don't think they needed to go all out but I wanted something yes something that makes it feel different Yeah, yeah for sure uh so Katniss is like, I'm gonna sneak off, everything's gonna be fine, and then her plans are very much interrupted when suddenly PETA is dropped off and is like, guess who's the newest addition to your star squad? <laughs> it's everybody's favorite PETA. It's everybody's favorite brainwashed assassin. <laughs> Listen, why don't we just put PETA in an active war zone so as soon as a bomb goes off he's gonna snap and try to kill Katniss (laughs) (laughs) which I mean that's her first thought is like he's gonna try to kill me Coin should know that why is he here yeah and she has a kind of private conversation with Boggs yes and I really love this because she has gotten along with Boggs especially like in the second half of the story but I don't think you've ever quite known where Boggs' allegiance lies. Yeah. But in this scene, he gets very real with Katniss and is like, listen, you're a threat to coin. Mm-hmm. You know, she is going to want to take some form of power when this is all done. And if you don't throw your support to her immediately, then that's a threat to her. Well, and the book... I think has been laying the groundwork for this a little less so in the movie. I yeah. feel like the movie hasn't really leaned into how sinister coin is and That's also true. how much she doesn't trust Katniss. Right. Yeah. Cause even in the last movie, we get like a scene of coin and Katniss kind of like comforting each other. Yeah. Chatting and like Katniss has friction with everybody. Yes. And it doesn't feel like she has any more or less friction with coin. No. So this idea that, she would or wouldn't support coin or like what her opinion is of coin doesn't really feel fully formed. No, but in the book, we've been told from the very beginning that Katniss and coin do not get along. Yeah. And that they know that they don't get along and that coin doesn't trust Katniss and is just using her. And Katniss knows that coin is using her. And this conversation with Boggs is so important and I really love it. And it's the same in the book and the movie where Boggs is basically like, I am telling you, that she wants you dead. Yeah. And that you're, I'm going to try to protect you, but like you're in danger and kind of setting Katniss up on this trajectory. That's going to take her throughout the rest of this story here. Um, But I really love this moment with Boggs because, you know, we've seen him kind of become this, a little bit of a father figure to Katniss. Yeah. Protecting her, really caring about her. And he says in the scene that he wants her to be able to live her life like she deserves it. Yeah, a very touching scene. And I mean, Mahershala Ali yes. is so good in this role because like he's very like 
um, supportive and sweet in this moment. But like earlier when there is the standoff with the gunman and he's like shouting orders, like yeah. you get that sense of his command as well. So I think he balances those two things perfectly. For sure. And yeah, so Katniss kind of knows what the stakes are now. And it's kind of uncertain whether she still wants to escape with the hollow at this point or not. Mm-hmm. Her and Gail kind of talk about it. But we get some scenes at this point with PETA. Yeah. PETA is just. He's not doing well. No. He's struggling and he's being actually pretty vocal about his struggle. Mm-hmm. And there and the, you know, the star squad, this whole group is like, we need to have him on a watch. Right. <laughs> yeah. They have him handcuffed. They have people watching him at night because they just can't trust him. And PETA is struggling with this. And at one point, he and Katniss end up having this conversation. And it's a really great conversation because he tells her, I just don't know what's real and what is not real. Like, yeah. I can't. It's so hard for me to separate it. And I love Finnick coming coming in here and saying, just ask us. Like, we'll tell yeah. you. And him saying, like, this is what Annie has to do, too. Like, yeah. Annie has suffered from the Capitol and has suffered like mental psychosis stuff, right? And so she asks, what's real and what isn't? Yes, and PETA begins to just ask, I'm trying to remember exactly, because this kind of happens a lot at different points. Like one thing he's confused about is in the first Hunger Games, there was a point when Katniss drops the Tracker Jacker nest on him and the other careers. And so he thinks at one point she was trying to kill him and Uh he has to clarify that with her. Yeah. Um, But then she begins to tell him, like, your favorite color is orange. He asks her if her favorite color is green. That's thank you. That's that's one of the things. Yeah. That he asks her about. And then she begins to tell him about himself, like what his favorite color is, what his interests are. Yeah. I love this scene so much. And it's exactly the same in the book where. She just starts off saying, like, kind of going, he says, is your favorite color green? She says, yes, that's real. Your favorite color is orange. But then she just keeps going, right? She's like, you always sleep with the windows open. Like, you always double knot your shoes. Like, all these little things that she's accumulated that she loves about him that she's trying to give back to him. And this is such a powerful moment because you can see her trying to reach him. Yeah. And you can see him struggling to try to reach back, right? Mm-hmm. There's struggle there, but he's trying. And this is too much for Katniss. She ends up like walking off and leaving because she's so emotional over it. But God, the scene. I know. It's just, it, it's really great. And I mean, maybe it, it's such a, it's so fulfilling because she's been so kind of shitty to him throughout this whole time. But it does feel like a moment of catharsis of seeing her finally connecting with him to a degree. For sure. So they're just going to film a propo. Everything's fine and innocent, like normal. And suddenly Boggs triggers a landmine and he gets exploded. Yeah. there's. I love the moment kind of leading up to this. Actually, in the book and the movie. In the book, they're kind of like almost having a good time. Yeah. They're they're kind of joking around. Yeah, because they know this area. There's not supposed to be many pods. They know where they are and they're supposed to be filming this propo. So they're trying to act intense. Yeah. And the acting is kind of giving (laughs) them the giggles. Yeah. I almost wish they had like retained this in the film. I know. Um, Because then when the bomb goes off, it like startles them. Right. Yeah. Uh, In the film, though, Katniss notices PETA Mm -hmm. and he's not doing well he's like mumbling to himself kind of like hitting himself like just not handling it right Mm -hmm. and then boggs steps on the mine and gets his legs blown off 
Yeah, in his dying moments, he transfers the pod ownership and leadership. Or not the pod, the hollow. I'm sorry. <laughs> All these words. Made Ian. up terms. <laughs> <laughs> he transfers the hollow to Katniss and basically says, don't trust them. Kill PETA if you have to. Yeah. Like, do what you came here to do. And this is very intense and upsetting to Pete or to Katniss. And I think we're meant to believe that this was done intentionally, that maybe Coin set them up do, to be killed. Do you see? I had my suspicions in the book. The fact that they're kind of just doing this propo and they're, yeah. they, they're supposed to know where the pods are. They're supposed are, to be in a safe area. And we know that Katniss may be targeted. Yeah. But I don't think that was ever really, that could have been mentioned more in the book maybe. I just think later when they try to like call into command, they can't get through, mm. right? So it feels like they've been like intentionally cut off. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had that like thought but yeah. it, I, I feel like it wasn't maybe talked about or addressed much, mm-hmm. but not that it matters all that much. It's interesting to at least think about that as yeah, a possibility yeah. for sure. But um, they have to get away because as they're trying to escape the area, other bombs, other pods are triggered. Yes. Right? And at the same time, PETA loses his shit. Yeah. I, I really loved this. I loved how quickly just everything falls apart. Yes. You know, Boggs is dead. Uh, other pods are going off. This wall of like tar is coming at them. And then, and then PETA, PETA tries to kill Katniss. And I I really love this because, first of all, in that moment, I thought, uh, PETA's probably just like pulling her out of the way. Like, it seems like yeah. he's attacking her. And then, no, no, he tries like bashing her head in. Yeah. And I also love it to show that PETA's recovery isn't a clear like yes. upward trajectory, he's right? He's being triggered. Yeah, like he's go he's getting set off and yeah. and that's, you know, it's not just going to be easier from here on out that he's going to have setbacks. Somebody tries to pull uh Peta off of Katniss and then Peta pushes them into the tar. It's Mitchell Adina. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't remember that. How names. could you forget <laughs> Mitchell, our favorite character? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I do love this though that Peta kind of unintentionally like kills someone on his own team. Yeah. Really showing the stakes of like what it means for him to like lose it. Mm-hmm. Uh they manage to get everyone. They they restrain PETA. They go into a nearby building yeah. uh, to escape this, like, tar wave that's going off. Mm-hmm. And they kind of take a moment to regroup. Yeah. Yeah, PETA is basically like, you should kill me. Yes. I killed someone. You should kill me. And they're like, okay, PETA, just, like, <laughs> calm down. Yeah. We have other fish to fry. We have all this other stuff. They can't get through to command. There's this argument between Katniss and Jackson, who is second in command over the hollow. Jackson is like, give me the hollow. We're going to try to link. We're going to try to go back to base camp. Like, we can't stay here. It's not safe. And Katniss is like, no, Boggs gave the hollow to me. And I have a special mesh. I have a special mission from Coin. Yeah. I'm here to assassinate President Snow. And there's arguments about this and, you know, Jackson doesn't believe her, but Cressida kind of steps forward and is like, no, it's true, kind of defending her. And like Jackson doesn't really seem to believe it, but is maybe willing to go along with it. Yeah. And so now Katniss has kind of convinced this whole team that they're going deeper into enemy territory to assassinate Snow. There's a brief mention, and I like this in the film, they kind of are looking at the hollow yeah. and they see like this building. Maybe if we get to this building, we can um, like get a sniper and shoot 
uh, snow. If he ever steps outside, yeah. we would see it. Having some semblance of a plan I of know. what they're going to do when they get there. Yeah. Because in the book, they're like, I don't know what we're going to do. We're but- just going to find him and kill him. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, but like how? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They end up leaving this building. And in the book, they all leave. In the movie, they leave behind the League sisters. Yeah. Um, And this ends up being like the peacekeepers come, think that they're still in this building and explode it. And so now the Capitol and the rebels all think that this whole squad is dead. Yes. I, I love it. Coin hijacks the signal at one point mm-hmm. and is giving this like eulogy for Katniss and Katniss kind of snarkily says like, oh, I didn't know I meant that much to her, <laughs> which is like a great funny moment. Yeah. The Capitol also does uh, the Fallen tributes. <laughs> yes. Which they do in the arena as well. So again, making it feel kind of like another Hunger Games. Uh, and we get fucking... Caesar being like, oh, this violent girl came yes. to a violent end. Uh, I think the biggest tragedy of these last two films is not some good Caesar content. <laughs> I know. His hair is white now, though. Is that a tribute to Snow? I don't know. Possibly. Or just being more somber about, like, the war going on, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to regroup and they have to figure out what they're going to do. They know they have... They know at some point the Capitol is going to know that they're not dead. Yeah. So they have to just keep moving forward for as long as they can. Mm-hmm. And they have the idea to avoid the pods, they're going to go underground. Yeah. Actually, uh, Pollux, who is one of the camera people and is also an AVOX, spent five years of his life um, working the underground tunnels. And I guess this was some kind of slave Thing going on with the Avoxes. His yeah. brother Castor says they had to raise enough money to buy him out of his servitude there. Yeah. It's just really sad. It is. And Pollux having to go back underground is mm-hmm. like him and Castor, like, I really like their dynamic. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've known them longer than like the other soldiers, but like you do feel a level of uh connection to them and wanting them to survive this. Yeah. Or like all the other soldiers, right? I don't. I don't know who I, they I don't are. Care. <laughs> uh, so they're they're navigating the tunnels and like the sewers, and after a lot of travel, they find like an area to kind of camp out in, mm-hmm. right? And then things get really fucking creepy. Yeah. When Katniss hears her name being called. Yeah, it's not great, and she's like, <laughs> "We should probably go." <laughs> I have to say, in the film, I think they build up the tension with this scene really well. Oh yeah, you know, there's like a lot of moments of like, you know, Gale going around a corner slowly with his flashlight, mm-hmm. and then there's nothing there, and you're like, "Something's gonna pop out." I know, but then it doesn't, and then they keep going, and then at one point, Pollux crawls through this hole in the wall. And he kind of disappears from around the corner and you're like, something's going to pop up. Uh, and then it doesn't, right? Yeah, like it keeps. They're all trying to be as quiet as possible because they know something is after them. Yeah. Right? They know it's only a matter of time, but that time is stretching and it's so tense, right? And it's, they don't they don't do any music or anything. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's all just like the visual language of film and what usually happens at a In moment, moments, yeah, when like yeah. a light goes around a corner or there's like a long pause. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, though, this tension is released when Jackson, the last bringing up the rear is about to go through the hole. She pauses, turns around with her light and then just gets swarmed by these white humanoid lizard people yeah. in the film. So in the movie, I feel like they kind of reminded me of the I Am Legend vampires. They did. Zombies. They did. Yeah. Although I think 
much better executed. Well, the time difference. Yes, right? I mean this like... movie came out years later, <laughs> so like I, I do think it is tough though to do a CGI monster like this yeah that feels scary and threatening right yeah they just they do kind of feel like just fast zombies yeah i feel like that was the vibe i just want to read the description of them in the book yes please do okay so here are the descriptions of the mutts uh in the book so this is where katniss realizes at one point they're actually fighting with peacekeepers in the book and then it transitions to the mutts yeah so she thinks Those aren't peacekeepers. They are white, four-limbed, about the size of a full-grown human, but that's where the comparisons stop. Naked, with long reptilian tails, arched backs, and heads that jut forward. They swarm over the peacekeepers, living and dead, clamp onto their necks with their mouths, and rip off the helmeted heads. Apparently having a capital pedigree is as useless here as it was in 13. It seems to take only seconds before the peacekeepers are decapitated. The mutts fall to their bellies and skitter toward us on all fours. And I'm going to skip ahead a little bit for more description. <laughs> for the first time, I get a good look at them. A mix of human and lizard and who knows what else. White, tight, reptilian skin smeared with gore, clawed hands and feet, their faces a mess of conflicting features, hissing, shrieking my name now as their bodies contort in rage lashing out with tails and claws, taking huge chunks of one another or their own bodies with wide lathered mouths, driven mad by their need to destroy me. I just got to say, I think these are really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of disagree. I don't like, I'm not like super into it or anything. I don't think it's great, but like it feels in keeping with like other stuff we've seen in the series, like the... I mean, and I I actually think it's more successful than, like, the dogs at the end of the first book. Yeah. That had, like, the human eyes, because that was all very confusing to me. And these are just, like, uh, lizard monsters. I I don't know. I I think it works well enough. I don't know. For some reason, the image of these white, like, tight-skinned, just, like, on all fours, like, scurrying towards (laughs) them, just has me, like, I know they're furious and they're vicious and gross but like it just seems so silly to imagine them like skittering Mm, towards them interesting i just can't picture them being horrifying and like i think with the dogs or wolves or whatever they were they were some kind of weird like human dog hybrid right and so you're kind of like okay i get like the shape of them but like this is like a human lizard hybrid and i'm trying to imagine like a human sized one of these Mm -hmm. and to me my mind is like oh that's silly you Mm. know Maybe because we don't have a a reptile that's, like, large enough to make us afraid, other Uh, than, like, a crocodile. A Komodo dragon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very, I think it's almost kind of, maybe Lovecraftian isn't the right word, but, like, Katniss almost doesn't even know how to describe what she's looking at. Mm -hmm. Like, it's that kind of, like, a a mishmash of, like, features. For sure. Uh, yeah, no, I I didn't have a problem with this. I, I kind of like the description of them, not only, like, killing the peacekeepers but also like each other kind of mutilating each other like they're just this frenzy yeah and i mean that does feel kind of like freaky Mm -hmm. and i think the move what do you think about the movie i'm okay with them yeah i also am like where do these come from like i don't know it's just like (laughs) how did they make these like 
I feel like I'm being asked to trust so much in this engineering, bioengineering mm. process that they're able to make these things. And I'm like, but where did you get them? Like, I don't understand, you know? <laughs> I think you're asking a lot. I but... am asking a lot. Um, I, I do kind of like, I think they made a good choice in not going the lizard route for the film. Like, I think making it more seem like just creepy zombies, like is much more scary when you're seeing it in the like half light and you don't quite understand what you're seeing. Yeah, and they don't have eyes, which I find unsettling. Yeah. Like, do they get around by hearing? Like, yeah, how do they Yeah, they seem function? like underground creatures. Yes, they're pale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jackson gets killed quickly in the film. In the book, her and League stay behind, kind of, to, like, fend them off. And, like, yeah. it's one of those things where a lot of things happen in the book very quickly. This scene in the book, I remember the first time I read it and not understanding what was happening. Yeah. And being really disoriented. And you know what? Maybe that's the intent. Yeah, Because yeah. when you're in a situation like this, it's disorienting and we're in Katniss's perspective. But I do feel like if it's going for that, that's great. But I don't know if it worked. Well, if you compare it to previous books, I mean, other books have rode that line in the past where I'm, it's kind of confusing what's being described or what's going on. I mentioned like the dogs from the first book and I think things in the second book are like, I'm not quite sure what happened there or, you know, it's a little confusing. So I kind of know where the baseline is for this. And I mean, she's been in life or death situations before. Yeah. So for things to suddenly get like really complicated, I mean, in some ways I like it where suddenly she's just like, wait, where's Jackson and league? And it's like, they stay behind, like keep going. And yeah, um, Like, I appreciate it on some level, but on another level, like you said, I remember when I first read this and being like, what is happening? And also doesn't help that, you know, there's a bunch of characters that we don't really know. Yeah, that are just dying left and right. And you're like, what are the stakes? Yeah. You know, because it just feels like it's just a bunch of death. And so and then we have Finnick dying, right? Mm -hmm. We have Finnick dying in this scene where we've almost like forgotten that Finnick is there. Ian. Yeah. And I think that's the problem in the book is that Finnick is just kind of along for the ride. And like, we don't really remember that Finnick is even in this scene until suddenly he's being killed. And so you're like, wait, what? And it makes you even more confused because suddenly it's just like, oh yeah. And Finnick died. Oh, also I like imagined his life flashing before my own eyes as like he's being killed. Like I felt like she tried to give Suzanne Collins tried to give Finnick a little bit of a moment here, but it fell short because we forgot that he was even in this scene. Well, yeah. And, you know, in the film, Finnick does, you know, so there's a whole action scene that I think works really well. I like this action scene. uh, Gail, Peta, and Katniss are kind of like fending off these mutts by themselves. And I mean, Katniss is just shooting one arrow after another. I really love seeing Katniss save Peta, yes. and then Peta save Katniss. Right, the two of them are fighting for each other in this scene. Yeah, and then there's kind of this moment of like, oh my god, are they finally done for? And then Finnick shows up. Yes, and so he gets a moment to kind of rescue them before he dies, which I appreciate. The book really is just like, and then Finnick just dies. Yeah, and I mean, I get like once again, there's a re- there's a realism to that. Like, not everyone gets a heroic moment before they die. Yeah. But that's also never been what this series is about. Like, this isn't a Game of Thrones type no. story where, like, characters it just, just die. You. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly, like, all over the place. Like, it felt out of 
character for the series just to kill someone so unceremoniously. Yeah, I mean, the series has always been bloody, right? Yeah. And a lot of people have died, but I always felt like there was meaning and there was purpose in that, in yes. the story. And like I said, it almost felt like you were like, wait, Finnick is, Finnick is here in this scene? Like, yeah. so many people are being killed. So many people are dying left and right that you don't care about. So then suddenly having Finnick die, it just felt like he was part of that crowd that just got killed off that we didn't care about. I mean, he, yeah, he was treated like all the other soldiers that were yeah. just kind of like name dropped, right? Yeah. I think the film, so, you know, Katniss drops the hollow and detonates it to kind of, in the film, it seems more like to, as a mercy to like yeah. Finnick, who's being like mauled to death. And I think the film does do something where, as because the action scene kind of continues, right? Yeah. But I think the way the film handles it with like the sound editing and the music, like it's almost like she's in a daze. Yeah. Right. Like peacekeepers are showing up and they're fleeing from like the ground that's being like churned up by like uh, these blades, and but it's all kind of like foggy. Yeah. And surreal, and I think that carries over from seeing Finnick die and like how jarring that is. And the explosion. Right? Yeah. So I think that like the movie gives a weight to Finnick's death in how the tone goes after that. Yeah. Whereas in the book, it's just like Finnick dies. Anyway, then there are peacekeepers and then I know. you can't really capture that same feeling in the in the book, I don't think. For sure. And as they're escaping, there's a moment where Peta kind of like crumples onto the ground and feels like he can't go on. And this is where Katniss kisses him, mm -hmm. which is really like, it's a moment that isn't romantic. It's a moment that's like, and she literally says, she's like, stay with me. Yeah. You know, like she's grounding him. She's saying like, do you remember me? Do you remember this? Do you remember us? Like, I need you. I need you to be here with me right now. Yeah. It's beautiful. It, it's it's really sweet. And I really do like how this sequence for the most part plays out because they, they do escape and they're now in the capital area, right? Yeah. And I think this is, they're now in the occupied area so there's no pods anymore but yeah. they're you know worried about being discovered Cressida knows someone they go to this store to hide out it's a clothing store owned by a woman named Tigress yeah a, a capital human furry <laughs> I don't understand this at all like I mean they talk about how she was a stylist for the games and so like kind of had modified her body a little bit to seem more cat-like, but then she like got too obsessed with it and like took it too far. Yes. And then Snow fired her. And I'm like, but why does she hate Snow? Like, why do we feel bad for her? Did he do anything to her? It seems like she did this on her own. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I think it comes across as silly because God, after all the death and the stakes of the war and everything going on for her to be like, I mean, she doesn't say it. I think other people say it, but for it to be like, uh, she used to be a stylist and then she was shunned by Snow and now she has a vengeance against him. It yeah. just seems so silly it by does. contrast of like everything else going on. Also, in the book, we get like a lot of descriptions about how she's very cat-like. At one point, she tells them that she 
doesn't eat much. And when she does, she only eats like raw meat. I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? Yeah. I mean, I think to a degree, like it's kind of another silly capital person. I have a note like in my book notes where I just wrote, Tigress is too much of a cat. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, the movie really stuck to this like wild description. I was kind of shocked by that. Yeah. I just don't know what the point of this is. I don't, to show that there's still dissent within the capital, that like yeah. not everyone's on board with snow. Mm-hmm. I, I think they could have just given a more compelling backstory to like Tigress's character, maybe. For sure. I mean, so so they hide in Tigress's shop. She has this kind of safe house area. And I mean, it's clear that obviously the capital knows they're all still alive. The capital sent the mutts after them. So it's really dangerous. Uh, in the movie, we see a bunch of, like, wanted posters being posted everywhere with their faces on it. And so they're trying to regroup and figure out what they're going to do. And at this point, Katniss is feeling so guilty about what has happened and blames herself for it. So kind of comes clean to everyone about her so-called mission to kill Snow. Which, at this point, like, everyone who's still with them pretty much is, like, knew that. Like, I think Pollux was the only one. And yeah. Pollux's brother was killed, so he's... I think, especially in the film, you see him, like, grieving that. Yeah. I mean, I guess PETA didn't know either, but, like, Cressida knew, because Cressida lied for Katniss. So it's it's really just only to, because I think even Gail is like, Katniss, everyone here knows that. Well, and I think Cressida, too, was saying that, like, everyone at the time knew that Katniss was lying, right? That Jackson even knew that Katniss was not on a mission from coin, right? But she said... Boggs gave you that hollow for a reason. And Jackson and all the other, you know, military people and the crew members, like, trusted Boggs, so we trusted you. Yeah. So, I, I, this feels like more of a straight continuation of, like, you know, Finnick dying and her grieving Finnick. Yeah. I just, I don't feel like the the book especially gives any time to, like, consider what happened to Finnick. Because, I mean, Finnick's character has been built up so much. I know. Especially over this book, like learning what happened to him in the capital, like him kind of being like sold and like dragged around to like other people to be used sexually and his relationship with Annie and getting to see them get married and like their, their dynamic. And, and then they just dies so unceremoniously. And then Katniss doesn't even, cause so much happens after this. Yeah. That like Katniss never really reflects on it that much. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame. We do get a little conversation here between Gail and Peta, which Katniss pretends that she's asleep so she can listen to them talk about her. I mean, they should know I that know, she'd probably hear. I know. And it's very interesting because the two of them are like, oh, Katniss loves you. And then the other one's like, no, she loves you more. Once again, this is where the, the, the love triangle thing comes back into play. And I'm just like rolling my eyes. Yeah. Gail says something, though, that, which is significant, which is Katniss will pick whichever one of us she can't survive without. And you know what this scene reminds me of, Ian? Like Twilight? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Literally, there's a scene in Twilight where Bella pretends that she's sleeping and they're oh, in the God. tent in Eclipse when yes. it's cold. And Jacob and Edward have this talk about Bella and which one it, she's going to choose. This well, is like the exact same scene. Well, I mean, to a degree, it makes sense because both of those books are limited first person perspective. Yeah. And so, like, she's... How else is she going to hear this? Yeah. Yeah. Other than her pretending to be asleep and, like, overhearing what they're saying about her. Yeah. It just felt very... 
I don't like the, I wouldn't like these books to be compared to Twilight. And the fact that I did have to compare them to Twilight, I'm like, eh, not my favorite. Well, it's, it's funny that I didn't even know what scene you were talking about, but I still am like, it has Twilight vibes. It does. Yeah. 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 Uh, that night, or like they get news, whether on, in the TV program in the film or from Tigris, that the president President Snow is welcoming refugees, like, into his mansion. Yeah. People keep going inward into the city. I mean, like, all hope is lost, essentially, for the capital at this point, but they're still trying to, like, hold back the forces, the rebel forces. Yeah. And so Snow is like, I welcome all refugees to my home personally. Like, come (laughs) and sit on my fancy chairs. Yeah. So Katniss is like, listen, this could be our chance to get into the mansion so I can actually kill Snow. Um, So they kind of formulate a plan here. They split up and they decide that Katniss and Gail are going to go off and try to infiltrate the mansion and everyone else is kind of going to do their own thing. In the book, they all kind of go off and leave the shop. Yeah. In the movie, Peta and then Cressida and Pollock stay at the shop. Yeah. So Gail (laughs) and Katniss, they... Get their disguises on in both versions. Yes. In in the book, they're like wigs, face powder and makeup. Yeah. Wild costumes, scarves over our faces. Like yeah. everything, right? <laughs> in the movie, they're like. Coats. Coats. <laughs> and you know what? Just to be safe, hoods up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, put a scarf on. Everyone knows what you look like. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, yeah. are you just hoping nobody looks right in your face? It's absurd. It is. It's so ridiculous. Because they build tension as they're approaching the mansion and they're like, oh, my God, there's like soldiers here and they're looking people in the face. And I'm like, yeah, what did you think? Yeah. Like, put on a mask. I know. I know. They're like, this coat will protect me. (laughs) No one will recognize me. I mean, I didn't expect like, honestly, just like a scarf over their face would have been that would have been enough. I know they don't want to do like the capital. They don't want to actually disguise them so you can't notice them in the film. Yeah, but like a a face scarf would have worked. I know. Uh, The the tension is building and then things explode, not literally yet, but metaphorically explode (laughs) when the rebels show up. Yeah, this is, I think, very realistic, right? Because we have all these refugees from the capital that are trying to get out of the way. But there are these rebel forces storming the capital, and then there's peacekeepers trying to defend the capital. And the refugees are caught up in the middle of this. Yeah. And it's just pandemonium. And, you know, this is described in the book. We see this happen in the movie where Katniss and Gail are just kind of like trying to find shelter in this firefight where citizens, normal people, innocents are being mowed down in the crossfire. Yeah. And at one point, Katniss and Gail get get guns of their own. It's kind of described in the book that they're just kind of like, I don't want to say shooting anyone. Yeah. But it's not always clear, like, who's in their way, if the Capitol people are firing at them or, like, if who they shot was maybe a rebel. Like, it's just kind of described as being, like, this chaotic scene where they're just trying to get out and alive by any means necessary. Yeah, at some point Gail is captured by some peacekeepers and he's like, shoot me Katniss. And I'm like, why though? I know. He And and this whole thing is like, oh, if one of us is captured, we'll shoot each other. And Katniss can't do it. She can't shoot him. Like, she can't bring herself to. But I'm like, also, logistically, the rebels are winning. Yes. Like, I'm not gonna shoot you. They're gonna... Maybe capture you and hold you somewhere, and then we can get you out. They would use you as a bargaining chip yeah. to, like, 
for leniency, right? Yeah. Like in negotiations. Like, like, why would I kill you when we're all we're winning? I I agree. This is like a really. <laughs> I thought stupid, this was dumb. I did too. <laughs> yeah, like obviously the capital's going down at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now Katniss is on her own. She makes it to kind of the the town square outside of the mansion where people are gathering. Yeah. Uh, Children are being herded, like, first and foremost, like, into kind of, like, these fenced-off protective areas. In the book, the children are being kind of positioned in front of the mansion Mm -hmm. as, like, a human shield. Yeah. (laughs) And suddenly, God, so much happens. I know. So quickly. And... I, like, the book is able to explain each thing enough that you understand. Yeah. I think the film, like, it can't explain all this. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a lot of things happening and at once. And you're like, wait, what's happening? Yeah, like, if you didn't Gail's re- captured? What? Well, if you didn't read the book, the following events would, would happen so quickly and so confusingly. So she gets there. She sees children being herded. Then suddenly a capital plane goes overhead and you have to hear people go like it's the capital plane yeah and then then, uh parachutes start raining down yeah which like if you've seen i guess like the hunger games movies like the the, they have supplies in them yeah or they're supposed to people are trying to catch them they go towards the children and then there's an explosion Mm -hmm. like they the, the packages blow up katniss is startled everything goes crazy Suddenly, <laughs> rebel people are swarming in. The medics come in. The medics come in. She's who's that? Oh my god! It's it, it's, it's prim. 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 Second explosion. Yeah, Prim is exploded. Prim is blown up. And so we're meant to believe that this is like the double explosion thing, right? Yeah. So like, God, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, it feels a little clunky. Yes. Because I don't believe. The medics would have ever been there that quickly. I know. It's so fast. Like, they wouldn't, like, you wouldn't have the medics, like, I don't think, like, on the front lines. Unless we had already seen them earlier in the scene somewhere, right? It's mentioned, at least in the film, there's kind of a debriefing scene at the beginning of, like, the the war where she's like, we have medics, like, on standby. They're right here. Here they are. <laughs> so, like, they established the medics. But I'm yeah. like, they wouldn't. We didn't see them in the scene, though. No, and they wouldn't have been there, like, that immediately, right? Yeah. So that feels weird. And then in the film, like I said, the whole first explosion would have been confusing. Seeing Prim is like, what? And then yeah. the second explosion. And I get that somewhat intentional. Here's the other thing, though. The other factor to all of this that's kind of interesting is that... Katniss has been on this mission, right? Yeah. To assassinate President Snow. And she finally gets to the mansion or near the mansion. And then the rebels are there. I know. Through their entire thing, the rebels basically kept pace and then arrived at the same time she did. Yep. And I think it's frustrating to a degree because it's like, what was the point of all that? And especially because she doesn't even get to like kill snow yeah because she's hurt in this explosion which leads to another episode of her waking up in the hospital ian but like i completely agree with this okay because we have this crusade that she's on right to kill snow and she takes all these people with her and they all die yeah except for a few people and we wanted to feel like it was worth something in the end and that she was actually doing something but instead in the end she just gets there in time to see her sister explode yep And I'm like, exactly. What was the point of this? And I just don't understand why they had to go off on their own. So I've heard a defense of this. Uh I watched a video by the YouTuber Just Right, who kind of talked about it. And I I think this is an interesting look at this. 
I don't know if the film or book even like really comments on it enough, but the idea that Katniss going off on her own feels very much like it's leaning into this chosen one narrative, right? Katniss has to be the one to kill Snow. Yeah. That's what this is leading towards. This is the final conflict. Like, Mm -hmm. it's all leading towards this. Like, characters are dying. And then the rebels show up anyway, right? Yeah. And Katniss doesn't even help taking the capital, right? No, she gets partially exploded. And I heard someone describing this as saying, like, there's this interesting narrative with, like, chosen one stories, right? Harry Potter, The Matrix, what have you. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these stories have like a a character, the chosen one who's meant to lead and like fight the final boss or enemy. But like that's weird for revolutionary stories, right? Yeah. Because revolutions like have to involve people, right? Yeah. And oftentimes the people get sidelined for the hero Mm -hmm. of the story. And how this to them felt like a counterpoint to that. That really, it wasn't Katniss who won the day, Mm -hmm. that it was the rebels, right? Like, the whole, the forces in general. But I don't think the movie or book, like, sell us on that idea. They don't draw attention to that. No. If they kind of were, like, making that the point, I would like it. Yes. Instead, it feels like it was going for one thing, and then it kind of did something else. And what we have left is sort of this tangled heap in front of us where we're like, what is this? And, you know, I was talking to my sister about this um, and we were kind of like analyzing because she was reading the book and watching the movies with us when we were, you know, going to do our episode. And I was just like, you know, I what I feel like would have made more sense is so I don't think they establish enough in either the book or the movie that Katniss can't go back to base camp because Coin will kill her. Yeah. So we don't know why she can't go back. Right. Mm-hmm. So when Boggs is killed and everything happens, her only path is forward, right? She can't go back. But that's not explained to us. Mm. So we don't understand that she just can't go back to base camp, right? But like, what if instead of going back to base camp, she just joined up with the rest of the army? Mm. What if their whole unit just joined with the rest of the rebels? They're in the middle of like a fight, a, a war zone, right? There's no way Coin can kill her in that part of the yeah. battle and what if they all just join the front lines it could be the same yeah like they could confront the same obstacles and maybe they're just joined with a, a certain unit or wing of the army but they're part of the collective action right they're not on their own going on this solo mission they're joining like the whole cause wouldn't that be better yeah see it's interesting i almost have a different like perspective on it. Yeah. I kind of felt like I knew why she couldn't go back. Yeah. Like, you know, Boggs warned her like coin wants you dead and kind of like, you know, don't go back there essentially. Mm-hmm. But the alternative, I guess to Katniss is like, well, I guess we just have to keep pushing further in to kill snow. And I'm like, but like you could just stay where you're at or just try to stay hidden. Like, her whole mission to kill Snow is, like, very just personal. I know. And she's dragging everyone else along. For sure. Like, I get why she doesn't feel like she can return to the base camp because Coin will kill her. Yeah, but what about the rest of them? Yeah, she wouldn't kill everyone in her unit. Mm -hmm. I mean, she... I don't think she would, but, like, if she did set that trap for them, she's obviously okay with them dying, maybe. That's why I felt like if they just joined with the rest of the army... Yes, It would have been so much better. And we could have had the exact same things happen. We could have had the exact same people die. But it wouldn't have been... 
because of Katniss, right? Yeah. It would be because they're in war, right? Yeah, I just feel like Katniss's mission to kill Snow just feels like a personal vendetta. Yeah. Like, she should know that, like, I'm not the only one. It's not a Harry Potter story where he's like, I literally am the chosen one and the only one who can kill Voldemort. Yes. It's like, anyone can kill Snow. In fact, they probably will kill Snow. Yeah. But, like, I have to be the one to do it. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to drag all of you along with me as I do it. Yeah, I also feel like this, the structure, and as we're critiquing this, like, we're talking about the book and the movie, right? Because this follows the same structure, but it, it originates in the book, right? Yeah. Um, I also feel like it's a weakness in this book that it feels like it has to make this like the next Hunger Games. Yeah. And that the book was trying so hard to make it like the Hunger Games again, mm-hmm. where I think it missed an opportunity to make it something different. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. Because I mean, you know, the first book, The Hunger Games obviously features The Hunger Games. The yeah. second book, you're like, Oh, and they're back to the Hunger Games. Yeah, which it did it very well. It did, like, yeah. The, it, it created that story very convincingly with the quarter quell. And then this one feels like it's, okay, there's literally, they're not going to be in the Hunger Games again, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, they kind of are. Yeah. And, I don't, yeah, no, I, I kind of agree that I think it favored doing this Hunger Games setup again. And over, isolating them. And isolating them over any kind of interesting political like setup or just well, group effort. Yeah. Gr- yeah. Group mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because ultimately, you know, that whole point about this being a pushback against the chosen one narrative. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, but with everything that happens and then prim dying. Yeah. It, all of the immediate aftermath of this is all about prim's death essentially. Right. Yeah. And who did it? And what it means to Katniss and Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. There's no explanation about, like, did I lead everyone to their death pointlessly? Yeah, there's no sitting with that, really. No, because it's suddenly just all about Prim's death. Which I'm fine with Prim dying. I actually am, too. And I wasn't when I first read this book. I was really upset by Prim dying. But, you know, reading it this time and kind of understanding where this takes the story, I'm okay with Prim dying. I just felt like we had been through so much in the book only to get to the point where we were supposed to get and then Prim dies and then Katniss is blown up and is in the hospital. And I was like, what was the point of that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I like the idea of Prim dying because, you know, Prim was, there's so many motivations in the story, right? So many things Katniss is trying to accomplish, people she's trying to protect, like PETA and help. Um, But like, if you have to go back to the root of what matters to Katniss, it's protecting Prim. That's why she volunteered for the Hunger Games to begin with. That's why this whole thing started was protecting Prim. Yeah. And so for Prim to die brings up this really kind of sad um, realization about like war and what we sacrifice for and like for your ideals and like the betterment of society and like the personal individual loss and like, is it worth it? Like, I, I don't know. Like, that's a really hard thing to say. And Prim dying like this, I think brings a level of realism and kind of nuance to this type of story. For sure. So, yeah, theoretically, I'm I'm totally fine with Prim biting it. Yeah, I love that Prim dies. <laughs> yes, it's my favorite part. <laughs> so Katniss wakes up in the hospital yet again. Uh, in the book, she's severely burned. Yeah. She had to have skin grafts and, like, her body is, like, like a patchwork of different colors. It's really dark i mean there's 
like a really obvious irony to her being the girl on fire and, and then, then she gets set <laughs> on fire. Also in the book, PETA got caught in the explosion because yeah. he was like kind of behind them. Mm-hmm. So, but she's told, Katniss is told that the war is over essentially after people witnessed the capital ship bombing children. Yeah. That like any sense of loyalty left to snow where the capital kind of like fell away and he was turned in by his own people. Yeah. So, you know, the resistance has won. It's a little bit of some chaos right now, but there's going to be a trial and snow is eventually going to be executed. And Katniss is recovering. She's shell-shocked. She's traumatized, right? She watched her sister be murdered before her very eyes. And eventually she finds Snow uh, in his greenhouse of roses. And I like that Paylor kind of lets Katniss in here. Yeah. Like the, you know, general from District 8 that we've seen before, she's sort of like, Katniss has every right to go into that room yeah. and talk to him. Which Katniss doesn't even know that Snow is there when she first walks in. Yeah. But they have this great conversation. Katniss in the book literally isn't speaking yeah. at this point. Like, she's just so traumatized by everything that she hasn't spoken since mm-hmm. it happened. And she's just been hiding and, like, it's it's really sad. But she meets Snow and in the book finally speaks. But Snow gives his condolences to her about mm-hmm. her sister's death. Yeah. And I really love what he says because he's, like, he mentions, like, oh, with after District 13 bombed those people. And Katz yeah. is, like, what do you mean it was a capital ship? Yeah. And he goes... I'm not above killing children. (laughs) You know that. Yeah, you know that. (laughs) But he says, I'm not wasteful, though. Yeah. And at that point, the war was over. Yeah. I knew it. Everyone knew it. I was literally going to turn myself in Mm -hmm. when that happened. Well, and he says, too, like, I would have used that ship to escape if I had one. I wouldn't have used it to bomb kids. Like, what would be the point of that? Yeah. And so now Katniss is like, "Mm." but she says, like, you're lying. Mm -hmm. And- Snow gives the great line. Donald Sutherland just is so good in this role. Yeah. And he goes, oh, my dear Katniss, like, I thought we agreed not to lie to each other anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Great ending line. But, you know, Katniss is now suddenly thinking about this incident that killed Prim, this bombing, and Mm -hmm. kind of how weirdly suspicious it is, right? Yeah. And then she remembers Gail and Beatty's traps, right? Yeah. The bombs that would go off and then the medical personnel come in to try to help the wounded. And then the second bomb goes off, you know, again, killing even more people. And there's this really awful scene with her and Gail. Yeah, where Gail in the in the film comes mm-hmm. to, like, get her at least for a meeting. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk. And Katniss asks, like, was it your bomb? Was that your plan? Was this District 13? And he says, I don't know. Um, I've thought about that constantly. Yeah. And I know now that, like... Whenever you see me, you'll think of that. Yeah. And Katniss is like, you're right. I hate you now. Goodbye. I mean. This is devastating. I like I can't believe I'm saying this because I've done nothing but complain about Gail like this whole episode. I know. They did Gail dirty. I know. Yeah. I mean. I think her blaming Gail for this is unfair. Oh, yeah. I think more than anything, we needed to impress on ourselves, like on the reader and the viewer that like. Katniss just cannot be with Gail because she is so hurt and Gail is so hurt, but they're hurt in the same way that they're both like bitter and angry and like they can't heal each other. Right. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think this is a realization for Gail, right? That, like, this cruel attack that I planned was used against us and killed yeah. Prim, the sister of someone I really love. Mm-hmm. Someone who he probably loved, too, right? Yeah. And I think this was, like, probably a wake-up call for Gail mm-hmm. about his, like, sense of duty and, like, morality and war and things like yeah. that. But instead of, like, getting any moment for him to reflect on that or talk to Katniss about it, she just dismisses him. I know. And they've been through so much together. Yeah. And, like, she doesn't have to fucking want to be with him no, romantically. No, I think they needed something more here. I think Gail needed to say, I can't be with you. Like, mm-hmm. I think it needed to be Gail maybe choosing this and saying, and, and Katniss, too, at the same time, but more of Gail being, like, I, I I have to change, right? A moment where it's like he wants to be different after what happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. S- something. Some kind of resolution to Gail's character. Yeah. Instead of him just being, and instead of Katniss just dismissing him and being like, goodbye, Gail. Yeah. And then, I don't know, you just hear about him later having some job. Yeah. <laughs> really, I, I did not like the way that was handled. No. Um, And then we get a scene. <laughs> With um, all the remaining uh, alive tribute victors or whatever from the Hunger Games. And they're having a meeting with Coin, And Coin is like, listen, you know what? We've all been through so much. We have to kill so many people. Like, ah, so many executions. It's tough. It's hard. What if we just made this a little bit easier? Yeah. And had another Hunger Games, but and, with capital children. And we just do a Hunger Games again. Yeah. It's a classic. People love it. <laughs> People love it. They know what to expect. It's a bop. We already have a, an arena set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the movie also peppers in another detail that's really good, where Coin kind of says, like, I will be the interim president until things settle down and we can have a real democratic election. Everybody's too emotional to have yeah. an election right the now. Co- the country needs to heal first. Yeah. And I really love pointing out how Coin is kind of taking advantage of the moment to grab power. Yeah. Like, I think the book kind of hides this fact a little too much. Yeah. You know, whereas this scene, like, you really... And, and Snow you know, called her out on it before. Like, yeah. Coin's going to use this. Mm-hmm. And then we actually see her in that moment kind of be like, I don't know when the interim presidency will end, but, you know, when it's right. And yeah. you're just like, oh, God. So we're coupling this information that Katniss has just learned about it probably being Coin who ordered those children killed. And now Coin is saying that she's going to be interim president for who knows how long, where we don't have that extra detail in the book. Yeah. This scene... Between book and movie, in some ways, in most ways, is very similar, right? Yeah. But the film adds just enough extra context where when I read the book, I didn't understand the implications. Yes. But then when I watched the film, I'm like, oh. This is this must be what they were going yeah, for. Yeah, which I did not get in the book. So essentially... Coin is like, we should have another Hunger Games uh, with capital children to ease everyone's sense of revenge and we don't have to kill as many people. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but I want the remaining victors, the remaining six of you to vote and we'll only do it if we have a a majority of four. Yeah. Pete is like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Are you kidding me? And Beatty's also like, no. Yeah. But Joanna's like, yeah, fuck them. Uh huh. I forget the woman from District 2. You know, Barbia. Yeah, is like, yeah, sure, do it. Uh huh. And then it comes down to Katniss and Hamish. Mm-hmm. 
so this is where it differs, right? I can't, I can't remember verbatim what is said in the book. Yeah. But Katniss, in the film at least, looks at Coin and says, like, I get to kill Snow. Yeah. And she said, yes, of course. Of course. And Katniss says. Then I vote yes. Yes. For Prim. Yes. She says. Mm-hmm. Which I think she says in the book, too, maybe. Yes. And the film, also, you get the added performance from Woody Harrelson as Hamish looking at Katniss. And the two of them looking at each other. And him looking suspicious. Mm-hmm. And then agreeing with her and yeah. voting yes to. I'm with the Mockingjay. Giving you the sense that something's going on. Yes. Right? You know something is up. Yes. This is not normal. The book, I think, is trying to do this, but is not succeeding. Yeah. And I reread the scene before we recorded this. And in her mind, as she's thinking, she's like, so this is how it happens, right? Yeah. Was this how it happened 76 years ago mm-hmm. when they decided to hold the first Hunger Games? And she's saying that, like, nothing is changing. Everything's going to be the same. Yeah. And, like, this is how history repeat- repeats itself, basically. So, like, her going through this and obviously being horrified, but then choosing to vote yes, I think is supposed to signal to us she has something else going on, but it's not clear enough because she's just like for prim. But we don't have it. We don't have it solidified, right? Well, this is where it falls apart a little bit is her voting yes was never like a bargaining chip for her. Like, it, no, it was always assumed she would get to kill Snow. Yeah. Right. That never seemed like it was up for debate. Yes. And so it didn't make sense that like she would be voting yes to kill snow. And it mm-hmm. still doesn't make sense totally in the film either. But the fact that she clarifies before voting, I get to kill snow. Yeah. Makes it makes it clearer that she's seeing this as like a trade. Yeah. Like I get to kill snow if I vote yes. Mm-hmm. Even though that's not like said in words, it's implied more in the film. For sure. But in the book that Never really felt like that was the trade being made. So what's the point of her vo- voting yes? It's like maybe to get coin Less suspicious of her, get coin on her good side. Like, it's not super clear as to why she's voting yes. And we we trust in the movie that enough context has been given us that something else is going on, right? Yeah, I think the movie sells this idea far better than the book. For sure. And when I read the book, even the second time, I still didn't, like pick up on it really. I know it's just too subtle yeah and I you know like I said like the trade-off doesn't really make sense like given th- if it was like a straight like if coin was like if you vote yes I'll let you kill yeah, snow and that's yeah. the only way that that'll happen mm-hmm. and you know that makes sense like okay that's the only way Katniss will get in front of coin with her bow and arrow yeah then like then that would click more but like that doesn't seem to be the situation explicitly so mm-hmm. however all that being said, I know a lot of people were pissed about this. Yeah. Because they were like, Katniss, what do you mean she would vote yes for another Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. Like, we definitely weren't the only people that were confused No, by I think this. a lot of people were confused by this. And I do think it was Suzanne Collins' intention for it to be a little confusing for the reveal for when Katniss kills Coin, obviously, to be dramatic. But I always – but I do think it was always her intention – that Katniss really did not want the Hunger Games to happen. Yeah. And that she was voting yes to try to destabilize coin in some way. I just don't think it was very effective. No. Effectively written. Yeah. And the other thing the movie did was coin was like, great, I'll announce it. 
right after the assassination <laughs> of Snow. And after not a, we kill him. And not a moment sooner. So yeah. then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. like that's clicking more. My other thought, though, is like, why don't they just have a Hunger Games with the fucking war criminals? Yeah, just do them. Put all of them. Why Why their <laughs> why children? The children? We just had a Hunger Games that had grown adults in it. Yeah. It's entertaining. <laughs> Throw a bunch of war criminals in there. Yeah. Like, that would be so much more satisfying. Like, it almost doesn't make sense why they'd be like, let's do the children again. I know. Yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> anyway, it's execution time, baby. It's execution time, baby. We've got drums. We've got, what is it? This arena it's like that an they're amphi- in? Like amphitheater. amphitheater. Yeah. It's great. Cadmus has her makeup on. She's ready to go. Uh, Snow is just coughing up blood, yeah. looking menacing. Mm-hmm. I like the detail, too, in the book that she only has one arrow. Yeah. So she's in front of Snow, draws her bow, letting, you know, the tension really mm-hmm. draw out. And <laughs> Coin is up at the top of her, like, podium <laughs> and, and says in, like, an almost taunting way, let your pure heart guide your yeah. arrow <laughs> as I stand here with my arms wide open. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Katniss redirects her arrow upwards and shoots coin right through the heart. Yeah, I love that Snow just starts cackling. Oh my god, I love it. And then the crowd rushes in and Snow is trampled to death? (laughs) (laughs) Or literally ripped limb from limb. Yeah. It is unclear exactly. Oh my god. I just love that he got a little bit of a last laugh yeah. before he died. It just was satisfying. Just kind of like maniacal, his bloody mouth. Like, yeah. <laughs> like once again, Donald Sutherland delivering. For sure. Katniss tries to eat a nightlock pill here to yeah. kill herself, but PETA stops her and she's taken into custody. This is a really confusing part in the book because she's just like being kept in kind of like a cell, but it's just part of the mansion. And she's just left alone for a long time. I don't like this. This it was re- boring. This really, yeah, it was boring. And it really brought home something else that kind of bothered me about this book is that there is so much talk about killing yourself. I know. And look, I get it to a degree, right? Like when they're in the battlefield, they have these nightlock pills. They're like, if we get captured, we can take them. Yeah. And not be tortured by the capital. And I get it. And, you know, Peta at one point is like, I want a nightlock pill or I might want to take it. Like, you don't yeah. have to. Ki-. Like, Peta wants to kill himself. And they're talking about how do we kill Peta? Like, do we kill Peta? Do we yeah. let him kill himself? And Katniss is like, OK, I'm ready to kill myself. And then when she's being held captive in this cell in the book, yeah. she's like, maybe I'll starve myself. They can't make me eat. I like, know. maybe I'll do this. And then even later when she's out of this confinement and she's back home she's like maybe i'll kill myself now no one's gonna stop me from killing myself and i'm like oh my god like it's so much it's just so constant throughout this part of the book yeah it's really hard yeah eventually Hamish comes and is like we had your trial it was off screen um and you've been cleared everyone says you're just crazy because of the war and They're going to hold a a new election now and everything's going to be fine. This is interesting, too. We have to talk about this in the film because at this time in the filming process, Philip Seymour Hoffman died. Yeah. And so there's a scene that clearly was reworked after his death. I think he only had two scenes left from what I read to film before he passed away. Mm -hmm. And so in this scene, Katniss is like waiting for something to happen. And then Hamish shows up. And he reads a letter mm-hmm. from Plutarch. Yeah. And a lot of the dialogue is straight from the book. Mm-hmm. Plutarch kind of talking about, like, um, you know, what's been gained, what's been lost. Kind a lot of-, of this is added, though. Yeah. Yeah. And and kind of giving this context, like, almost that Plutarch 
knew that she would do this. Yes. Which I think is interesting mm-hmm. to add to this um, situation. And kind of saying, like, we're really dumb and we tend to make the same mistakes and, like, maybe nothing will get better from this. But, like, yeah. maybe it will. Mm-hmm. And kind of, like, this slight slight sense of optimism. Yeah. And also the idea that, like, this whole Hunger Games idea died with coin, right? They're yeah. not going to do that. Yeah. Um. So Katniss and Hamish go back to District 12. In the book, it's actually clear that... They are rebuilding District 12 so Mm -hmm. that the people that are from there can, like, move back there. But there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And Katniss has a long road to recovery herself. We have this really, really sad scene between her and Buttercup the cat where she tells the cat that Prim's not coming back. I thought this was a really great scene in bookend movie to really – she's been in such a sense of – uh, numbness since Prim's death, right? Yeah. Not mourning in like any kind of emotional sense, but just feeling numb to the world. Yeah. And, you know, obviously considering ending her own life, but like for her to get this emotional release about like finally admitting that Prim is gone, yeah. I think is pretty cathartic and good. Also, I think it's really sweet that Buttercup like maybe understands, right? Yeah. And like, he has hated her this whole time. <laughs> and now they come together because they Aww. both lost someone. I know. Yeah. It's really it's very sad <laughs> and touching and sweet. And PETA comes back. Yeah. Uh, oh, good old PETA. And I think the movie handles this ending better than the book. Yeah. Like, in the book, the last scene with Hamish is like, Hamish comes back to District 12 with her yeah. and is like, well, I'll see you around. And then she's like, and then I didn't see him again. I mean, like, I think she did at some point, but like yeah. he kind of is back drinking again mm-hmm. and is probably just like holed up in his house. Like like he was before. Yeah. yeah. And it's like really dark in that way. Whereas, it is. whereas in the film, you get to see Peta, Katniss and Hamish like kind of hanging out some. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, there's some resolution on some characters that we haven't seen. We hear about Gail having a job in District 2 now. Paylor is president, who is the commander from District 8 that we all really liked. You know, Katniss's mom can't bear to come back to District 12 after everything that has happened. So she's off, you know, in the medical corps in in other parts of the districts. And also we hear from Annie, you know, uh, apparently she was pregnant when Finnick died. And so she has a son, which I'm almost like... Is this fair to this poor, like, mentally traumatized woman to be like, here's a baby? I know. I'm like, I mean, I guess it's sort of like Finnick's memory living on, but also is she mentally fit to raise this child? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, how how is she holding up? Yeah. Because, I mean, we don't know that much about Annie, and we only get, like, brief moments of her. Yeah. And... Not that she's, like, dangerous or anything, but, like... I hope she has a very good support system, that's yes, all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get to see Katniss and Peeta kind of, like, reforming their relationship with each other, like, yeah. comforting each other, sleeping in the same bed again. Mm-hmm. There's a really sweet scene in the film where they're just kind of sitting in the doorway when it's raining. Yeah. And playing the um, real or not real game mm-hmm. where they kind of confess that they both still love each other. Yeah. I love this in the book and the movie when they she comes to his bed and they're together. The book kind of implies that they have sex, but Peta asks her, you love me, real or not real? Yeah. And she says real. <laughs> and Katniss says in the book that like in the end, what Gail said was true, that she had to pick 
whichever one of them she couldn't survive without. Mm -hmm. And this is where we find, like, we hear her talk about how PETA is, like, represents hope to her. Whereas Gail just represented, like, bitterness. Yeah, yeah. And that Gail, or PETA that always was this, like, soft and, but yet strong person, right? And I really love PETA as this portrayal of, like, this really tender masculinity. Yeah. Right? Because he is so incredibly strong. Like, Mm -hmm. he goes through so much, but he never loses his kindness, you know? Even when he's hijacked, right? He comes back from that. Yeah. And he never loses his sense of hope that they can build something better. And Katniss needs that to survive. Mm -hmm. And we all need that to survive. Yeah, it's just, it's really sweet and really touching. And Peeta is just such a, a great character in that sense. And, you know... Even though it's awful seeing him, like, in this state after he comes back from the Capitol being brainwashed, like, I do like seeing him go through that arc and come out of it. Yes. At the other end. And still find himself. Yeah, and and it feels rewarding in that way, right? It it didn't feel like you're just watching him suffer for the sake of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe to a degree, but, like, seeing him come through that and still keeping a sense of himself mm-hmm. um, was really, really great. For sure. And I just love, I just love Peter's character and everything he represents. Yeah. Like you said, he's just a great portrayal of like uh, tender masculinity. I mean, he's such a strong character, both yeah. like in what he was able to endure, like emotionally and physically mm-hmm. and like his sense of survival. And, but I mean, just him being emotionally supportive and there for Katniss. And like, he has a couple moments in this series where maybe he's a little jealous or a little angry at Katniss, but it's almost always justified. Yeah. He's never just being pouty in the way that Gail is. And he always moves on and gets over it, right? Yeah. He's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Team PETA. Uh, He's the best. (laughs) He is. (laughs) Uh, We have the epilogue. The epilogue. Ian. Where we find out that it's like 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Thank God they didn't do any terrible aging makeup in the film. Yeah. And I mean, I guess we don't know it's 10 years later in the film. It could, yeah. It, it could be only like a few. Uh, but they have kids together. Mm-hmm. And I think this is interesting and kind of mostly good because it was interesting before she would talk with Gail, right, about how she's never going to have kids. Yeah. Because of the Hunger Games, right? Yes. And probably just like the state of the world. Mm-hmm. So – her having kids, like, not that you have to have kids. No. But, like, her having kids feels like she has hope for the future. That she is able to envision a life where they could be happy yeah. and safe, mm-hmm. you know? Um, In the book, she says that it might even be 15 years. They talk about it being, like, it takes her a long time yeah. to be able to get to the point where she feels like she can do this, mm-hmm. right? And that it's not just like, oh, let's have kids now, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot for her to overcome yeah. that. And so I do think it is meaningful to see that life is able to carry on, you know? Um, I don't really like the epilogue in the movie. I don't know why. It just feels totally out of place. Yeah. The tone feels so strange. It's hokey. Yeah. I mean, like, I like the ending lines in the book. Yeah. But it's not dialogue from Katniss, like, her actually saying yeah. that, but of course, in the film it is, mm-hmm. and it comes across as like more talking to the baby, corny, I yeah. guess. Like, oh, but there's worse games to play than that, and it's like, okay, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I go to right. Hunger, the Games, Hunger Games, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just is like maybe 
overly idyllic, yeah. you know, with them like in this countryside. And the book has always been very real about the world. And I mean, not that it's saying that like she doesn't still have trauma because she yeah. very clearly does and like basically says as much about having bad dreams still. Mm-hmm. But the the vision that we're given of little curly-headed blonde <laughs> children running through fields yeah. with PETA yeah. is maybe a little too on the nose. Yeah, I wish they would have done this a little differently. I don't really know what the answer is because I do yeah. like having it, but I don't know. It just didn't feel quite right, but I don't know. At least they didn't give her bad aging makeup. Yes. <laughs> It could have been much worse. Although apparently Josh Hutcherson is wearing a wig. Okay. Which he never, he he would always dye his hair for the films. Yeah. Which he hated. Mm-hmm. And I guess this was shot like months after the rest of filming had wrapped up. Okay. And so he's like, just give me a wig. I'm not, I'm not dying my hair <laughs> Well, again. he's in the background. Yeah, anyway. he's like off in the distance. <laughs> so we can't judge it thoroughly. Okay, Ian, we finished. Yep. It's done. Now we have to decide. We have to pick. Is it the two movies or is it the book? And you know what? We have talked about our problems with like all of them, right? Because yeah. of the the story structure, which is in the book and the movies. So Yeah, I mean, I know that the movies may suffer a little bit from splitting it into two. Mm-hmm. But I stand by what I said last episode that I think to properly tell PETA's story. And do I think capture the vastness of a war, right? Yeah. Because something in the book does feel a little rushed about, like, the war begins at the start. And then and, it's over. And then it's all about the districts falling and, like, trying to capture the whole vibe of a rebellion and a war in a single book, I think, is a big task. For sure. That it sometimes feels diminished, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to say that I think I prefer the movies. I agree with you. If for no other reason than I think it handles, like, the Phoenix stuff a little bit better. Yeah. And I think it definitely handles the Hunger Games vote. Yes. Better. Like, and that is such a pivotal it's scene. It's so crucial. It's crucial to your understanding of Katniss's character. And I really felt the first time I read this book, I was like, this is wrong. Yeah. I was like, Katniss wouldn't vote for this. I don't understand. And, like, I didn't get it. And this time reading it was better, but I still felt like the book didn't do what it needed to do. Well, I didn't even read it with that. I Literally until we, I've, I, you know, I've read the book once before and I saw the movie before. Mm-hmm. But in neither book, I didn't, I don't even think I got that in the film watching it the first time. Yeah. Like I still had in my mind that Katniss was just voting for the Hunger Games. It mm-hmm. wasn't until this time watching the movie that it clicked for me. Yeah. Uh, and so I still read the book and that scene with that perspective this time around. And it yeah. still wasn't connecting with me that what was going on. Mm-hmm. And like you said, for her to think that she's voting for another Hunger Games without understanding like that it's a part of her plan. Yeah. I mean, really is a shot to her character. Yeah. Like that's a crucial scene that you have to like convey what's going on. And mm-hmm. I just don't think Suzanne Collins did it. No. Yeah. And the movies just were able to put that into context so much more. And even like the fallout afterwards, I felt like with Plutarch's letter and Hamish was was better. Um, and like the scenes with Finnick giving him a little more of a moment reminding us of him before yes. he actually died, right? And of course, Jennifer Lawrence's performance, right? Yeah. She makes yep. this, she makes these movies so poignant, right? And emotional. Yeah. And I love that. And I really do love these movies. And I think they still work. You know, I have problems with the story, but I do think the movies do it a little bit better. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of my core issues with, like, pacing and certain, like, choices, narrative things carry between book and movie. Because ultimately the movies are very faithful to the book. Yeah. But I do think the movies try in some ways to make up for maybe some of the issues that the book had. For sure. Like, while still sticking as closely to the original novel as possible. Yeah. And, you know, this book has, the the story in general has interesting things to say. Yeah. Especially with, like, propaganda and war and the role Katniss plays. And um, I, I do think a lot of what it's doing is a good conclusion and furthering of the Hunger Games story. For sure. You know, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, this book's like a... No, it, it goes the, yeah. It goes the totally wrong direction. Like, I definitely don't think that. I just think it could have been honed in a little bit better. For sure. Uh, but you know what? Ultimately, I, I do think the films maybe pull it off a little bit better. Yeah. So it's a movie for both of us. Movies. Movies. Yes. Yeah. Um. So let's do a lightning round. Yeah, let's get into lightning. First up for lightning round, something we have to mention up top. Yes. And that is the kiss between Hamish and Effie. Yeah. The kiss that we're all talking about. Not with Katniss. No. The best kiss in the film. Hamish and Effie. Hamish and Effie. Because, <laughs> like, we've joked in the past, like, do Effie and Hamish hook up? Yeah. Like, she seems repulsed by him. Yeah. But, like, they tr- like every Hunger Games, they were probably, like, thrown together. Thrown together and traveling around. They have a camaraderie between them. Right. And this uh, full kiss on the mouth is really, mm. like, oh, they've definitely fucked. Oh, yeah. Well, in the last <laughs> movie, there's a line where Effie says something like, I like you better sober, Hamish. And yeah. he says, like, oh, I like you better without all that, like, stuff on your face. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it seems like a moment of flirting between them. Uh-huh. And so then them leaving and him kissing her like that. I'm like, oh. And apparently they did that without telling anyone. <laughs> so that was Woody Harrelson and Elizabeth Banks. Deciding like, to kiss each yeah, other. Yeah, like, let's just kiss on the mouth before we go. Oh, my God, go. I love that. And, like, nobody knew it was going to happen. <laughs> That's so. great. Isn't that, I love that. Uh, I want to mention from the book that there's this really great part in kind of more of the ending of the book where Katniss and Peeta decide to make a book, actually, about all the people that they've lost. Yeah. So, like, Peeta draws their pictures, he paints it, they write things about them. And so it's a way for them to come to terms with all the loss that they've faced. And they even get Hamish to contribute to this book where he's able to put in all the tributes that he had to mentor that he had to watch die. Uh, yeah. Kind of giving some context to to Hamish and hopefully giving Hamish a little bit of closure in that area. Yeah, yeah. A book of therapy. Yes. Uh, we have to mention the, the, the pivotal character that the films excluded, Adina. <laughs> they didn't include. And that is Greasy Say. Oh, my God. <laughs> How could they erase Greasy Say from the narrative, Adina? Whoever she makes, like a what is it, rabbit or a dog stew, squirrel stew? She makes dogs, dog stew, dogs, wild, wild, wild dog, dog stew. stew. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, she was just this like woman who like uh, sold stew out of the uh, the black market, the hob. What, what do they call it? The, the hob. hob? Yeah, and then she managed to escape District Twelve <laughs> and was in Thirteen working in the kitchen. Yeah, and then at the end of the book, when Katniss is back in her house mm-hmm. in District Twelve, like at the very end, Greasy Say is like visiting her and like cooking food for her, yeah, taking care of her. I know it's really sweet. It is, <laughs> but like a character that I did not expect to last for so long I in know. this story, like Greasy Say is still around. She keeps coming back. Yeah, even at the end. <laughs> 
just a few fun facts from the movie. Apparently, um, Jennifer Lawrence and um, Liam Hemsworth would try to gross each other out by eating disgusting foods before their kissing scenes. I, I think it was Jennifer Lawrence specifically. Okay. <laughs> she would she'd eat like tuna. I think this is something that like a lot of people do sometimes on sets. I think just to hopefully give that like separation between like kissing for real and yeah. kissing for the camera. Um, but just kind of like a fun fact about maybe they're on, on set like interactions. And then another fun fact is that uh, in the ending epilogue in the film, the kids that are Katniss and Peeta's are actually Jennifer Lawrence's nephews in real life. Yeah. So. Which the one was like so cute. He had like curly I know. head of blonde hair. Really sweet. Yeah. That's it for Lightning Round. That's it for Mocking Jay. That's it for The Hunger Games. Well, until the prequel comes yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, Ian. Um, please reach out to us with what you thought of this episode, what you thought of this series. We had so much fun doing this. Yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed listening as well. And we'd love to hear from you. We love hearing your opinions. I really want to know what people think about this final, not just the movie, but like Mockingjay as like a story because yeah. I know it was really divisive when it came out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people's opinions have changed over time. Uh, you know, and I don't know, are we due for like a Hunger Games res- resurgence? Yeah, because I mean, like we've had, I mean, Harry Potter's never really gone away. Yeah. We recently had a kind of a Twilight resurgence, mm-hmm. not just our episodes, but in general. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering if we'll get one of, but the Hunger Games are so much darker. Yeah. And serious, like there's not much levity to them. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll get that or not. Yeah. Maybe when the prequel comes out, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely, I really enjoy getting to reread them. So if it's yeah. been a long time since you've read the books and watch the movies it's a really great time to do a reread and then a rewatch right um it's been it's been really fun if you would like to support us you can become a patron you can join us on patreon at any level and get access to tons of bonus episodes and you also get priority episode requests if you have an episode that you'd like us to do we always do our patron suggested episodes yes uh, you also get access to our Discord, monthly schedules, things like that. So, you know, all that's available on Patreon. If you want to leave us a Spotify review or Apple Podcasts review, that's very helpful. You mm-hmm. can find us on social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find all of those links at CoverToCredits.com. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. We'll for see you next time. Joining us on this ride. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>